Lose the Cape Podcast, episode 177. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the fall season of the 2019 Lose the Cape podcast, hosted by Alexa Bigwarf and Nancy Cavionas. We basically took the summer off just releasing one post at a time per month because both of us were trying to do like most of you moms, juggling kids, work, whatever is going on. And um, really enjoyed the break, but are super excited to get back into it. So we're starting off with, um, we're easing gradually back into it with the replay of a webinar from this summer that we hosted on communications with your teens with um, communications expert Laura Lyles Reagan. She's getting ready to kick off a course where she is helping parents and teens learn to communicate better. And um, you'll hear a bit about that course in this podcast, as well as some tips, tools, and resources on how you can kind of diffuse issues with your children and uh, improve communication, which obviously makes all lives better. Uh, one of the things I've spoken about with Laura is that it's so interesting how much communication really does impact all of your relationships. And this is a lesson that my husband and I have especially been working on really hard over the past few years. Um, but with our kids, you know, we grew up, a lot of us grew up, depending on your age range, in a, in a world where we did as we were told to do without question, without without anything. Like we were just, our parents said, do something and we did it or face the consequences. And we live in a very different world these days where our children are exposed to so much more. They know so much more. They see and hear so much more. And that coupled with the fact that we are realizing that maybe living in a, you know, dictatorship isn't the best way for kids and their personalities and really getting the best out of them and for them, it's just really interesting to take a step back and look at how much of a difference it can make if we approach our the conversation differently and approach the children differently and allow them more of a role in the relationship and in the communication and all of that stuff. So Laura's got a great book, um, out, which we talk about in the podcast and we'll have in our show notes. You can get all the show notes at losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 177. And before we get into the show, I'm just super excited to give you a little bit of insight into what's going on. We are going to increase to two episodes a month, <laughs> which is better than one a month. Um, if you missed the last episode that we did with Wendy Green, though, you're going to want to go back and listen to it because it was such an eye-opening view into something that I, as a white woman and as the mother of white children, never really have to think about, this whole idea of... Um, of equality when it comes to hair and hairstyles and the bigger picture behind it. It was such a fascinating interview and she's doing so much with her hashtag free the hair movement. And I hope you'll take a, a moment to go back and listen to it, um, especially if this is not something that you've ever even thought about or experienced. We're going to be talking a lot in the next few months about what's happening in um, politics because as, as Nancy and I have explained or have talked about before, like everything that we do as a parent from the time we get up until the time that we go to bed 
is impacted by politics and things in our community and laws and legislation. And um, in fact, we're getting ready to relaunch a second edition of our fourth Lose the Cape book, the um, the Mom's Guide to Becoming Socially and Politically Engaged and How to Raise Tiny Activists. And what we really want the, the message to be is that it doesn't matter where you fall politically. I know I have lots of friends who do not, they don't agree with me on most of my stances. But what we do agree on is that our children's safety should be a priority. Our children's ability to um, to experience life and to get the best out of life and, and to do all these things. Our ability to access good health care, um, especially with mental health and all of these things. Like at the, at the end of the day, we have so much more in common than divides us. And it's so important to get involved locally, to understand what's happening. If you're thinking about voting and changing out um, – you know, voting for people in the upcoming elections in November. It's important to know who the people are and what they stand for. And um, and and local politics are so huge when it comes down to a reason. Forget the presidential nominations. Local politics is where it's happening and where your life is likely to be great, most greatly impacted. But beyond politics, it's about what we can do in our communities, how we can advocate for ourselves. And we've got story after story of advocacy. One of our upcoming podcast episodes is going to be about um, education. And I'm in South Carolina. We had a really big um, Red for Ed education rally in May and talking about that and teacher pay and all those things and why it's so important. We've got, um, oh my gosh, we've got, we've got a great lineup for the fall. And I'm really excited to bring you a, a line of just incredible people incredible women to talk about what's going on in our world and why it impacts us and why we should be aware and talking about these things. So all that being said, let's start with this great webinar with Laura Lyles Reagan and talking about how we can communicate better with our kids because let's be honest, our sanity starts with how things are happening in our house and if it's constant turmoil and um, insanity with kids because of arguing and bickering and feeling like they're not listening to us or doing what we say, then it's, it's hard for anything else to go right in our day. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you'll check out all of her stuff and be sure to look for her course, which is launching in September. And if uh, for those of you who don't have kids back in school yet, it's coming soon. And for those of us who are in, I'm in my first full week now and just kind of enjoying trying to get things back on track again, but also totally overwhelmed by all the paperwork that comes home for three kids in three different schools. Who's with me? All right, y'all enjoy the show. So hello, Laura. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Hey there. Thank you so much for hosting this. It's exciting. Wow. I mean, we're like getting ready to get into the thick of the tween. And <laughs> very timely for both Alexa and I. <laughs> Great. Absolutely. Great. I think summertime just really like brings this to a head because all of a sudden, we go from having our normal routines, from having the kids outside of the house for a large majority of the day. All of a sudden, we are all together, and it may may bring a little bit of anxiety of how we're going to communicate with each other. Um, you know, so how 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 did you handle it when you had your kids? <laughs> right. Tips you can help us with to um. To, let's just start there. 
Well, I think that we've all, we all kind of get a little nostalgic, right? When they hit their teens, we've only got four or five summers at best, and then it's all over, right? They're off to college or the world of work, we hope. <laughs> and uh, uh, this time with boomerang kiddos, that might not be the case. So there's this wonderful expectation that we're going to have this bonding experience over vacation and summer camps and, you know, all this heartwarming stuff going on. And then reality sets in. <laughs> right. And, and with uh, tweens and teens, they want to catch up on sleep. They want to stay on their phones forever and stay connected with their friends. And they may or may not be too particularly interested in this, you know, last stage bonding with you. Um, and so the expectations may have this uh, tension involved, right? Their, right? their hope to relax and take it easy on the summer and our hope to connect and have some meaningful experiences that may be like internships or volunteerism or even a summer job. Those may be some of the things that are going on uh, for teens. This day and age, teens have a lot of pressure to fill, prepare that college resume with a whole list of volunteer experiences and uh, connections, internships, and, and even try to tackle summer jobs. So um, they feel a lot of pressure. They're tired from the school year, and, and it creates, you know, some tension. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. Okay, so let's just get into it. Um, you, when we are struggling with our kids, and, um, you know, really, like, I I have a hard time with my kids because I don't often feel that they're listening to me and um, I get really agitated really quickly. So what are some of the ways that we can not just jump to yelling at our children? <laughs> right. <laughs> not resort to the, to the high volume. Right. Because exactly. we, don't, we don't think that we're getting through. Exactly. Well, first and foremost, um, I think it's about relationship building these days. Dr. Uh, um, Shafali talks about Jaspari, who is Oprah's parenting expert, says this generation will only tolerate uh, co-creation. And what I mean by that fancy word of co-creation is that they have equal responsibility for building the relationship with you as you do building the relationship with them. But that requires engaging them, getting them to open up and talk a little bit and share about where they are. Um, and so the, what all of that means is that the authoritarian do as I say, you know, uh, do it now because exactly. I said so, that just doesn't uh, cut it with this generation. And it's not yeah. because they're rebellious or manipulative. It is because the world is truly more complicated. You know, they're exposed to so much so early digitally. Um, yeah. And even if you're monitoring that and trying to stay involved in that, uh, their expectations of, of communication are different. So I think that first piece of how do you get them to listen to you is to listen to them, right? Yeah. And it sounds like a misnomer. I mean, it sounds like an obvious thing that if we want to be heard, that we have to listen. Um, but that's the only way they're going to get it is by modeling it. So I, I really help parents do what we call active listening. And for me and my girls, one of the best times to do that was in the car going somewhere okay. because they weren't focused on uh, eye to eye. And so they weren't intimidated. And there was a lot of opening up. They would talk about their best friends and what boy they liked and what music they were into. And there was just all this, you know, rattling on and on about the teen life and what they were into. And it was rich stuff. And I would, um, 
you know, repeat like a psychiatrist, the last two or three words of what they were saying, you know, like, oh, so you like so-and-so, you know, and that would bring forth some more information. And uh, they would share about what the best friend was, um, how they were handling, you know, a particular grade or a teacher or whatever. And it allowed me to get inside their lives and then use some of the other skills uh, to share maybe some of my core values. Yeah, that's so true. I love, love, love driving the car. Cause even though my children are younger, um, well, my oldest is 12 now, so he's going into seventh grade. So he's definitely getting up into that age, but I have a, um, a rising fourth grader and a rising second grader. And even with them, like I glean so much about what is happening in their lives from just listening to them talk yeah. to their friends in the back of my car, not even me, like asking them questions, just like listening to them. But yeah, that's a, that's a great, great point. And then once we're, you know, doing the conversation and actually talking about uh, or hearing where they're coming from, when I want to share what I, you know, is, is on my heart, in order to not call up their defensiveness, I use what they, we call I messages. Mm -hmm. And that's I feel X about Y. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's that simple little formula. And you can put that into practice today. I feel X about Y. Yeah. Meaning I am so proud that, you know, you helped your sister instead of fight with her. I am uh, really disappointed you didn't take out the trash until after I nagged you three times about it. I don't right. want to be nagging. You know, um, that keeps us from barking and it communicates clear messaging. But it also, when you're talking about heartfelt things, you know, like the boyfriend, like the digital uses, like the dangers involved, you know, um, it, it shares that the relationship is more meaningful to you than the discipline, if you know what I'm saying. And the relationship is what cuts through everything. So I'm curious about this. Um, how does, I hear some people talking about like how they don't want to be angry. They don't want to be angry or overreactive with their children, but they want to almost make their children like understand when they disappoint them. Do you feel like using things like I'm so disappointed in your behavior is harmful or is that a good I message? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that that can be used as a shaming thing, you know? Um, uh, and I, I think that's a, one of those fine line pieces. It depends on if you've laid the groundwork for that conversation, mm -hmm. you know, Hey, we've talked about this before. Um, what, do, what do we need to do to get past this? Because I don't want to be on your back nagging. You know, yeah. because then it's a we problem solving situation rather than me as parent authority trying to get you to do something that complies with right. what I believe is right. And I always, when, when parents are afraid that that's, that's causing permissive parenting, I always talk about, you know, but we want to prepare them for the future, right? And the only way they're going to get there is by having these kind of conversations with us or a teacher or, or another adult. They have to hear... How do you problem solve together? You know, think about the world of work. You know, team building is it for corporations right now. And where do you get those skills to, to converse and negotiate if you're not uh, introduced to them early? Oops, sorry. I'm being <laughs> That's kind of one of the things that I feel too. Like, I mean, I understand why someone would say that it's a good, it's, it's better for your children to tell them that, you know, 
your actions have really disappointed me, but I feel the same, I feel the same way. I'm glad that you said that about shaming. Like it, I really do think that that's, it's, it's, it could be more harmful, than mm-hmm. helpful, especially right. when you're trying yeah. to build that. I, know. I think that um, sometimes when we say like, I'm so disappointed, we're like centering ourselves and making it yeah. about, how we feel instead of about the actual issue at hand that they were doing something that was like not healthy for them yeah it becomes about pleasing the parent right 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 and And how does that help you in adulthood to please your parent you know that doesn't teach you a skill so i i usually try to talk about engaging letting go and letting the natural consequences of a behavior affect the child or engaging and saying okay how are we going to solve this problem i don't want to be nagging or i don't want to be dealing with this all the time i mean i think that what has been really i have an almost 11 year old and Mm -hmm. i'm really surprised at the issues that i'm dealing with now you know i feel like i was thinking today that i feel like she 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 is now where i was at 13. right right you know like she so um, so I, one of the things that I have been trying to do is, um, practice empathy. Like I, you know, letting her grapple with her feelings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead of like putting my feelings in there because I like really try to force myself to remember what it was like. Right, right. Thanks, thanks so much, Nancy, for bringing this up because that's what the conscious parenting movement is all about. You know, it's about tuning into ourselves and our emotions so that we don't project that onto the kid, but that they feel who they are fully and have the opportunity to grow and stretch and become who they're supposed to be and their personality. And, and you model that, right? Right. And also to know that like, it's normal yeah feel the way that you're feeling you know sometimes I'll say to Alice my daughter I'll be like I know exactly how you're feeling right now because I remember when I was in a similar situation right like so I think that like helps her get past her anxiety of talking about it with me exactly exactly and I think that also builds the opportunity that all of that good relationship building and the empathy piece is is laying the foundation for when they're confronting real life issues outside too, so that they come to you and say, okay, mom, how did you do deal with this? Or what do I do when, <laughs> you know, because you've laid all that groundwork, um, they open up. And I think that I have realized in the past few months that like there are low stakes opportunities coming up at this age that allow me to kind of practice for the bigger things that are coming later. Right. right. You know, um, things maybe that are not nice. necessarily about like her behavior or her emotions or things like that, but just other things that like she is feeling badly about or something. Sure. I agree. It's also, I mean, every interaction counts, right? And if we want them to come to the come to us in the future with issues like substance abuse or digital dangers, you know, um, or boyfriend trauma, <laughs> you know, then we have to lay the groundwork now and be good listeners and good communicators now. I'm glad that you brought up the digital danger thing because I just had that experience this week. 
where I found something in her browser history and I didn't say anything to her, but I tightened up my parental controls because I didn't know like what to do. On the one hand, I think that what she was looking at was normal. She mm -hmm. was just curious. But on the other hand, I like, was like, is this worth the conversation? Do I, you know, so I don't know if she knows that I know, but. Right, right. Well, it depends on, on what, you know, parameters y'all set up. Does she know that you're going through her history? Yeah, okay, so she knows it. So it's fair game. Well, she, we, we monitor her iPod. Okay. But I don't know if she knows that, like, I also monitor her browser on her laptop. She was using my laptop. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Well, then that's fair game. <laughs> hmm, I might have to go searching through the browser. Right now. Let's see what's going on. Okay. What, what I hear a lot from parents is about digital addiction. You know, just yes, being on the phones facing. all the time. Yes. And we now know it's dopamine hit after dopamine hit after dopamine <laughs> hit. So I talked to parents about delaying as long as you can yeah. the, in, the entry into that world. And it's hard. It is hard. It's very hard. We finally just gave our 12-year-old a phone, and that's not even a fully functional phone. It only works on Wi-Fi. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, he's got um, basically, you know how Facebook now, I don't know if you'd know this or not because your children are older, but they have a kid's messenger app, basically, where uh -huh. you can select people that they're allowed to speak to with to. over the wow. messenger app, which is really cool because we have a select number of friends that they're allowed to talk to, that their parents have also set up the kid's messenger app and then they can talk to like their That's grandmother great. and their aunts and other people like that and we we set that up because we don't have a home phone and um we wanted a way for our children to be able to call us because our son is not old enough that we leave him home for an hour or two here and there by himself and we don't have a home phone so we needed a way for him to be able to communicate with us but now I'm having to face that same like now that he has the phone, he wants to be able to, and I love, I love iPhones in this respect. And that is that they give you so much control over what is happening on your child's phone. I have to approve every single app he wants to put on there. Right. I can limit his time on the phone to an hour a day if I want to, but it is, it's so true though. Like this addiction, like now that he has a phone, he wants to be on his phone all the time. Yeah. And I mean, talk about a communications barrier. Yeah, it really, can. Oh, it, really, right. yeah. it really can be. And so the idea is setting up limitations and the older they get, the more um, independent and <laughs> uh, assertive they are about their time on their devices and there's that sense of possession. But it's important to remind them, you know, is this, are you paying for it? You know, uh, is this part, then you have to go to work to pay for it. It's, or it's a gift. And then you have to be respectful of other people in your life because we miss you. You know, we want you to have family time and you set up those boundaries yeah. about when it can and can't be used. But at the same time, it's about personal regulation too. Right. Mm -hmm. So I have, I scripted a conversation for a parent the other day about how to broach this subject of addiction and say, uh, you're surrendering your control to all the people that are on the phone right now and the advertisers on the phone. And it hopefully that hooks that defiant teenager, you know, to say, wait a minute, I want choices over my own life and what I do and not just do what the device is telling me to do, you Absolutely. know? Um, 
Yeah, we actually have a question from Priya in the chat. She said, um, must we wait for them to come to us or maybe start conversations about things like this ourselves, initiate them ourselves? Yeah, I, I like, I think we, if it's a really a two-way street and we're co-creating this relationship together and we're solving problems together, then of course the parent can come straight to them. Absolutely. I feel X about Y. I'm concerned about this and here's why, you know, um, and invite the conversation as non-judgmentally as you can. And then you're able to um, share your value system. How old is your son, Priya? I'm just curious. It, it, it's, um, he's 17. Okay. So that's a little bit of a different scenario than a 12 year old. Cause you're right. You now have a, a fully independent child, basically, and, and almost an adult. So that, that, to me, makes it very a different situation. Yeah. But this is also a really important summer, right? Because it's his last summer at home, just as any 17-year-old. And so you want to make those conversations count and be as meaningful as you can. But it's also about having fun, guys. You know, um, my own research in my book, as, as I did a, a research project about what kids, what impacts kids about what adults do. And the, there were four things that were mission critical to kids. And number one was fun. Do fun activities with me. That's how you get in. And they, they reported that themselves. Two, solve problems together. And that could be from homework, that could be we lost the dog, that could be I can't find my phone, it's in the laundry hamper, you know, whatever the problem is, solve problems together. That means you're present and you're there. Three is a sense of protection. I can always go home, there's a safe place for me. Um, if I'm bullied, I know where to go, that kind of thing. And four was present in crisis. Mm. Even 10 and 12 year olds told us, you know, I knew my dad who didn't live with me still cared about me because when I lost my dog, he came over and we drove all night calling for him oh. and we found him. And that story, you know, is related to us in the research because she felt impacted by her dad's commitment to what was important to her. Yeah, absolutely. Those four things. So fun That's counts, guys. Use the summers to have fun. If you know, it's, it's so true. Um, you know, when I find that our children, like we really, really bond when we're doing fun things together. Like today we spent the day at the pool together. And, um, I think that those things, I don't have a lot of memories like that with my, with my parents because they were both very, very busy working full time. My dad was in the military. He was deployed a lot. I was raised, right. in, I was raised in the eighties and the nineties. He was gone to war a good chunk of time, you know, with the first Gulf war and all those kinds of things. But I, my biggest memories are when we went canoeing at the lake together, when we had our picnics, when we played right. baseball in the backyard as a family, you know, I don't remember. The simplest the, things. They the don't cost money. things that yeah, I just remember those moments. Well, yeah. you know, you mentioned earlier, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to forget this because I think it's important to talk about. You, we do hear, you mentioned the conscious parenting movement and we hear a lot about conscious parenting. So how does conscious parenting differentiate between co-creation and what's kind of the difference between those two top those two subjects topics right. that are you <laughs> well conscious parenting talks about tuning into ourselves right so that one we don't project our old traumas onto our kids that we allow them to be their authentic selves and we support that process and then two 
that we are, you know, consciously um, supporting them as they grow. So it's one is, is preventing our stuff from, from kind of glumping onto them like yeah. sticky glue. <laughs> um, and then the other is, is just to simply give them the love and support they need. But the thing is, many of us did not grow up in uh, what would be perceived today as a healthy home. For me, example, I grew up in an alcoholic home and my parents mm-hmm. divorced. And I divorced myself, but that doesn't mean my relationship with my kids isn't any more important. In fact, it may be even more important because you're the only one at home, right? Right. Um, And so because I didn't grow up with those models, I had to learn them. You know, I had to go to therapy. I got to use some of my training as a sociologist. um, And I had had to grow those skills about being in tune with my emotions and sharing those openly and then supporting someone else through their own emotional process and regulating my own emotions so that they had a model for regulating theirs. Um, None of that comes simply or easy. It had to be, it was a learned behavior. And if you didn't grow up that way, you need to kind of learn those skills. You know, your chakras can be aligned. You can be all prayed up and, and loved up and and if you if you've ever had a model for that then you don't know what that looks like so that's why i wrote the book is co-creation is is about communication skills from that mindset you know um and and they're simple they're but they're profound and they take practice to put into play you know sometimes it's awkward to try them and do them but um i've had the most gratifying experience watching uh parents practice these and seeing their relationships soften and grow and transform. Wow. Um, Should we pivot and talk about how to, um, how to use the summer as an opportunity for building that relationship and to prepare kids for the future without the nagging and the hassling and stuff like that like what what should we what could we do this summer during the summer well it's not too late to start right um engaging the the teen in what they want their summer to look like um rather than we prescribe it and we have to figure it all out and push and be those helicopter parents you know it's about what do you want to do this summer and usually you hear them i want to sleep late Okay, that makes sense, right? Because kids need a lot of sleep and they're getting up at crazy hours early to go to school and that's okay. All right, so we're going to bump the day back. That doesn't mean you get to stay in bed forever, but I get it. You need some rest. So map out what that schedule looks like together and get buy-in together about what okay. that might be. And then you have learned about your kids. You know your, be- your kids the best. And you-, you advocate for them the best of anybody probably on the planet. You know, what are their interests? One of the things that I got to do with my uh, youngest, I mean, my my oldest went to camps and all kinds of things. My youngest, by the time she came around, there were two of us and I was divorced and the income was less. (laughs) So we had to get a little bit more creative about what her summers looked like. And I had a friend that was close to their veterinarian and she got, uh, my youngest, Grace, got to go do a uh, veterinary internship free Uh, She got to watch surgeries, and she was real interested in animals. Today, she's a horse trainer in Maryland. Wow. uh, So that fed her, you know, that process. She did that when she was 15, 14 or 15, I believe. That's Um, really cool. And it doesn't cost money, guys. You know, you simply use your networks to figure out what they're interested in. 
Uh, we did the same thing with my nephew. Uh, he was wanting to, uh, talking about law school, so he went into a law firm and got to sit in court and, and ask a bunch of questions of the lawyers and sit at the desk, you know, with the lawyer up front and uh, participate in handing the papers to the bailiff for the, you know, and be engaged in that way. It, um, and that lasted for two and a half months for him. So I think that figuring out what your kid's interested in, interviewing them with those open-ended questions and those skills again that are um, mentioned in the book and some of my materials, I even did a blog for this webinar, right, about open-ended questions that can be used to kind of interview about what you want to uh, shape your internship like. Um, and if, they, if there's not something formal that you can do, then you go visit places together. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, yeah. we, li we live in South Carolina, which is like super historically rich country. I mean, large parts of the Revolutionary War happened here. We started wow. the dang Civil War. So there's you know, lots of stuff to go, <laughs> to go see and do. And um, I, I found, you know, I'm a big history buff, but and I thought, you know, they're only seven, nine, and 12. They're not going to think this is interesting, but they do. They can if you get out and go go look at things and talk about things and why things that, things happen. I'm just giving an example of something that we can do around here that gives them the opportunity to kind of experience local elements and still, you know, get do something and get out of the house. But, you know, that being said, once you... The reality is like we can go take them to parks we can take them to the pool like we do we can we can take them to historical things but like there's a lot of real dangers that 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 are in their world every single day uh we were at the swimming pool today with some friends and and um my girlfriend was telling me her son's a freshman in high school and apparently like cutting like self mutilation is like yeah. a big thing right now for for that age group. You know, how do we, how do we, it's one thing to say, I'm going to take them on fun trips and we're going to do things and we're going to have fun together. But how do we keep them from, from the dangers that are happening? How do we talk about those? How do we talk about drugs and, you know, sex and, and cutting each other and all those crazy things that are happening? Yeah, and they are crazy, and, and they take, you know, each new generation has its own uh, cluster of behaviors that are, are scary and different, so our parents said the same thing about things that were scary to them, you know, that were wearing makeup with long hair, guitars, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it may not have been perceived as harmful then, but it was, you know, uh, outlined. So I always like to kind of say there is historical perspective to this, you know, ever since teenagers were born, if you will, when kids drove cars and got driver's license and moved literally away from the parent, then things, you know, look different yeah. um, and scary and different. So there is this generational piece to it. Um, but the, there are also very real dangers. Um, the digital dangers is one, bullying is another, school shootings, you know, cutting, sexting, uh, that touched our lives in, in our home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so we had to bring those relationships, uh, make the virtual relationship real and talk about what what safe dating was like. I think anything, again, can be an opportunity for relationship building and behavior exists for a reason. You know, kids are asking for some kind of attention or they're asking for help in negotiating the scary differences in the world that they see.
So it, for, for me, it's all about engaging and talking about it. When I learned that, um, and I can, I can do this, my daughter's a young adult, and I asked her permission first if I could share this, so I like to say that first. <laughs> um, when, when I found, you know, inappropriate material that, uh, on her phone and that her boy could, boyfriend could have been seen as, um, as an offender, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what we did was bring that relationship to a real place instead of a virtual place because those are risks that you would not necessarily take at that particular age in person that that she was willing to do you know on the phone uh, because it didn't seem real so uh, we invited him to lunch and we talked about it you know and he came I was really excited about that he what a courageous thing to do as a young man right you know and and I had to honor that you know and say um I, I don't agree with what you guys did, but you know, connecting is a wonderful thing and it's a normal thing. So let's talk about ways we, we can connect that are safe and yeah. don't get you in trouble. Yeah. And, um, and it took me some time to get there guys. At first I was scared <laughs> and then I got angry. Um, but I didn't give that to her. What I did is I said, I need a break and I need to think about what I'm going to do and created some space for myself. Um, before we then talked about how we could work on this problem together. Um, and, and it worked out. Guess what? He went to lunch and then a month later, they're no more that she's on to the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was okay. <laughs> that worked out well. Anyway, right? Um, and very normal too. So, you know, real stuff happens, but it's all an opportunity to build that relationship. So I would say, um, while there are some mental health issues that that may need an external uh, person, you know, a mental health professional to be involved, that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good. You know, get them the help you need. They need. Um, and then just use this as an opportunity to connect on a deeper level. What can I do to help you deal with this crazy world? Yeah. Well, so beyond just the like, the like true attention getting, I feel... I could be wrong, but I feel like when I was a teenager, which seems like a long, long, long time ago, um, when when kids resorted to things like cutting or um, or things of that nature, like they were attempts at getting attention, I, I think, like often. And they, they could be getting attention or it could be a mental health issue that's brewing underneath a, a depression or anxiety that they don't know how to regulate these big emotions or the self-esteem issue or the disapproval of the boyfriend or I'm not popular mm-hmm. with the peer group. It's, there's a lot there and it's complicated. Yeah. So I think parents need to be willing to get some help, you know, and dissect that. And there's today, there's just no reason to not find help. There's great resources out there. Yeah. Um, read a lot. Um, of course I'm interested in, in uh, assisting with coaching and problem solving. But um, there are times when the problem's bigger than we are and we just need some assistance with it. Yeah, that's really true. Um, And it's all about degrees, right? Are they experimenting with with pot for the first time or have they been progressively using and it's now becoming a problem? Um, Was it a one-time cutting attempt that, hey, my friend that's truly depressed did it, so I wanted to see what what the big deal was, you know, is it experimental behavior or is it something that they're slipping into as a, 
ongoing behavior. But every behavior has a reason. Mm-hmm. And if they're coming to us, that means they're willing to engage. And that's a trust building opportunity. And we can all grow from it. Okay, so mental health issues aside, I think we can all agree that our children from basically about two years on until, you know, whenever, like to um, push our buttons and push us and all those kinds of things. So what, what, what do we do when, you know, having fun isn't enough, bonding isn't enough, trying to create (laughs) these relationships isn't enough, and we are just butting heads and not like having these great conversation moments, not being able to get through to them. What what do you what do you suggest when your teen is just eh, pushing those buttons? Beyond <laughs> meditation. You know what? I follow the same tactic that I used to follow when my kids were toddlers. I would say to myself, the only three, the only three, the only three. <laughs> But you know what you're saying underneath that, Nancy, is it's not about me. It's about yeah. this wonderful, precious person here who's going through a tough time, whatever that tough time is, the hormonal swings, uh, you know, the, the um, peer pressures that they're feeling, the not feeling accepted. They're all regulating all of this stuff inside. And so they need us to stand strong whether that's to hold the boundary about, nope, sorry, you can't have that, just like when they were two and three, or um, tell me how, what you need right now. Do you need me to hear you? Do you need a break? Do you need some time alone? You know, what's, what's going on for you? So again, it's not personal. Act like the robot. We're unaffected. Find that Zen place, even if you don't feel it inside. <laughs> on the outside, you can be sort of robotic because it's about what's going on inside of them. And I think that's the heart of co-creative communication skills as a heart of conscious parenting is I'm responsible for me, you're responsible for you. And even though I'm a loving mom who wants to help you be the best you you can be, you're still responsible for regulating yourself and dealing with all that big stuff that's going on. And I want to give you a wonderful, beautiful world, but guess what? That's not happening. So all you can do (laughs) is learn how to control what's in here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to work with my one of my daughters on um, how she copes with extreme disappointment or frustration. Right. Yeah, because sometimes she'll like act out, you know, and like the best thing that I've been able to come up with, which I think is not that effective, is it's okay for you to feel this way. It's not okay for you to throw stuff across the room. Right. But yeah. I don't know, like, what to, you know, but I don't think that that's, like, been effective. Like, I don't know, like, what to say to make it clear that she is responsible for how she expresses her frustration in a way that doesn't hurt the people around her. Right, right. And I think if each child is different, right? They have their own personality. Um, my youngest had an anxiety issue and both my daughters went into horses big time. Well, actually both of them had anxiety during a different time of their lives. You know, one that was related to our, uh, divorce and changes that were going on. And the other was related to school changes. So it had a different route, but they were also very much involved with horses. They rode horses. We had one and that was like the safe place. 
uh, it's where the boyfriend couldn't go, it's where the phone couldn't go, <laughs> you know, it was the nature. Um, so I think learning what their thing is and where they can deal with stress is, is probably really key at this age. Uh, probably they learn it first when they're tweens, you know, about the self-regulation when the hormones first hit. And, you know, you have to, you have to help them find what that release is for them. For some kids, it's, it's meditation and they're able to do the yoga thing and they get really into it. Detention centers, there's articles now about detention centers that are using this with kids and having phenomenal results. And they're getting all of this self-regulation stuff about, I don't care what happens out there, I'm okay in here. But that might not work for every kinesthetic child that needs the activity. You know, if it's an ADD and they've got to change the channel, 20, you know, off and on all the time, they need something else. You know, they may need a sport. Uh, it's just finding what works for that child and talking about it with them. What will help you deal with what you're feeling right now? Well, I don't know. Okay, take a break. <laughs> We're going to come back and address this in a few minutes. <laughs> you know, um, it's not sugar. It's not lack of sleep. You know, it, we've got to find the pieces that work for you. And it is an experiment and different for every kid. It's so hard. <laughs> it is hard. It is hard. Which is why these conversations are so important, right? These kind yeah. of conversations are so important. Absolutely. That we're not alone. So, okay, you've written the book, um, How to Raise Respectful Parents. And now you've told us that you are coming out with a brand new course called Turn Your Teen Around by Tuning Into Yourself. Right, exactly. It's it's exactly Explain. <laughs> well, it's it's really what we were talking about with the conscious parenting movement, right? That if I'm if I am practicing good self-regulation skills, then they can too. They have that model for doing it, even though they may do it differently uh, than I do, or their triggers may be different, or their solutions may be different. They've at least seen how it gets done. So this self-care piece is so important, tuning into ourselves, uh, being able to name what our feelings are. I don't just feel mad, glad, or sad. You know, I can feel happy and elated and proud and, you know, that whole gamut of words that can be used to describe feelings. Um, and boys may not be as articulate in girls at a certain age, you know, so they might find other ways to express emotion. But what the course does is goes through all of these communication skills one at a time, helps you learn them, and then helps you practice them. Um, it applies them to your family's life. And we move through each one of these communication skills. It's a seven-module course that will uh, drip. And I'm super excited to offer today. It's open, pre-registration. Um, and it's going to be normally $4.99, but I'm offering it to our uh, tribes, Raise Respectful Parent Tribe and the Lose the Cape Tribe for $2.97. So oh, it is a, a $200 discount. Wow. That's a fantastic That's super generous. <laughs> that's good. I, um, I'm excited see, about it. Should we bring up that question that Janine yeah, asked? Yeah, I'm going to see what happens. I love this question. I'm going to see what happens when we press answer live. It may, it yeah. may. Alexa is going to answer it. Oh, shoot. I don't want to answer it. Okay. <laughs> but let's That's talk about it. So, so hold on. Janine, uh, answer, the, answer the question. How would you feel about us pulling you in here so that you can ask the question? Because we're getting down towards the last 10 or 15 minutes. I'd love for you all to have the opportunity to 
to ask Laura questions live. Do you want to hop in here with us or do you want us to just ask her the question? I'm gonna allow her to talk and see what happens. <laughs> okay, we brought you in, this is so cool. Let me unmute you here. Okay. Oh, it won't, there we go. Okay, hey Janine. Hi Janine. Hey. All right, go ahead and ask your question. Okay, my question is, uh, how do you deal with lying? I have an almost teenager and sometimes he'll lie about really silly stuff. Like, yes, I cleaned up my room when he clearly didn't or, or bigger stuff. Like I have a homework assignment and then I'm telling him, you know, that he needs to write it down and, and keep it on his schedule. And then, oh, I already did that at school. And then I get an email from the teacher saying that did not happen. <laughs> right. Um, you know, what does he say when you talk about it with him, when you confront the line? Well, sometimes he'll just get angry and walk away you know, like fight, flight, freeze response, uh -huh. or, right. or he'll stay and just argue with me that, yes, he did do the assignment, and I, I clearly tell him, well, your teacher is not sending an email and lying to me about it, so <laughs> let's figure this out. Let's, like, work on this, because I don't want, you know, your, your grade to... It's, it's interesting, actually, Janine and Laura, because I, I have a very similar situation happening with my 12 and a half year old, where I will ask him, you know, did you do your homework? And he tells me yes. And then I go check his homework grades a week later, and he's got all zeros. <laughs> I'm like, um, what happened here? <laughs> this is a great question, Janine. Hi. I'm totally on board with, the, with getting an answer on this one. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Thank you. I, don't know that I have the magic bullet. I can tell you that um, my youngest had, had this issue. My oldest was, you know, kind of the star child of the high achiever. And the youngest was the creative one that made up these marvelous stories, you know, <laughs> that were very, very creative. Um, and I, we finally got to the place where natural consequences had to take hold. You know, she needed to fail the grade. She needed, and I don't mean the overall school year grade, but she needed to fail that particular test and struggle with the natural consequences and then kick in, okay, you know, what do you need to do better in school? And, and sometimes it's the policing that they're rebelling against and the, the issue is about the independence and other times, you know, it's, it's really truth telling. Um, so I would, I would just, I was honest about it. I was like, I don't want to be in this policing role. I, I resigned that, you know, I don't want to do that. So how are, how are you going to be responsible for your own work? And at first she failed and then she found systems that worked for her, but she had ownership of it. You know what I'm saying? Rather than me dictating mm -hmm. what the system needed to be, she then took it on. So um, I think sometimes we have to allow kids to fail. Yeah. Um, I mean, when, when I was a kid, I was such a bad liar. I was such a <laughs> prolific liar that 
when I was about nine years old and um, my eyesight was like kind of um, going bad a little bit. My father didn't believe me at first and he would try to like trick me. So he would say something like, he would put me on the spot and he would say something like, read that thing far away. <laughs> you know, because he like couldn't figure out if I was lying or telling the truth. You know, so... You were the father who cried Right. He, he made me listen to that record. Like the classical, <laughs> he made me listen to it and read the story. So, I mean, at some point, I like grew out of it. Like I stopped doing it. Now I've gone so far in the other direction. It's like not funny. But I really try to, um, you know, keep this in mind when I'm dealing with the same thing with my kids and how it felt to have somebody not trust me. And so I use that with my kids. I say, you know, it's very hard for me to trust what's coming out of your mouth right now. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And see, you know, there you are using our messages. Great. Right. You know, and someday you're going to need real help. And... Mm -hmm you're not going to get it because I'm so used to you lying. Right. Priya, Priya says you need to have their friends call them out on their BS. So I'm not sure if he's, he's having any lies that their friends, his friends would call them out on yet, but. <laughs> yeah. That's for that peer pressure. But I think, you know, and I just like, you know, just try to like, still trying to figure out like what it is that compels kids to lie I mean are they like I don't you know like especially when they lie about stupid things where yeah, it's easy it makes no to find difference. out if they're lying I mean, or not I know yeah. I know I, I struggle this with this so much with two of my three children in the closet nope. yeah it's just like yeah. don't they do they not know that we could tell if they took the garbage out or not I mean or do they think are they testing us to see if we're really paying attention Right. In many ways, yeah. Yeah, I think it is. It's how far can I push and will the boundary still be there? And that creates, you know, trust over time. Um, but how, the other question, you know, that Janine brought up is really real. How do I live in the real world? And and my, my, my gut is saying, you know, it's about letting them deal with the natural consequences of their yeah. behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's some real truth to that. And if the offense is about schoolwork, then let the schoolwork fall and, and struggle. And yeah, be willing to go to the te teacher conference. You know, my kid is not an extension of myself. My kid is simply who they are. Yeah. And, yeah. and if they're going to struggle in school, then they're going to struggle in school. And we're going to get the resources they need to get the help they need, but it's still their job to make it work. Yeah, I mean, I'm very, like, hands-off when it comes to my kids' homework. Mm -hmm. But, number one, I have three kids. I'll have time to sit with them all every night. Right. And over them and make sure they do their homework. So, if I ask them, you know, have you done your homework? And they say no. And I say, well, I mean, you're going to have to explain that to your teacher. I mean, I'm not right. going to, like, sit here and have a fight mm -hmm. with you about you doing your homework. Because that was my tactic as well, Nancy. That's that's the resolution we came to about it. And um, she actually changed high schools because she she struggled. You know, there were also health issues at the time, but um, but she she had to deal with it. You know, yeah. she had to change the high school and not be in the, as a, that advanced curriculum. And guess what? It all worked out okay. Her calling was 
this horse training thing anyway. She wasn't, she was going to an equine college and not the academic success college. Not that she couldn't do it smart wise, but because that's where her heart was. So it's about letting our kids be their kid, who they are and dealing with the consequences uh, that come. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Well, we have a couple minutes. Um, We've got a few people still left on the call. Is there anyone who wanted to ask Laura a specific question? If you are brave enough to um, hop in the room with us, we will um, have you come directly in here like we did with Janine, or otherwise you can just post the question in the chat. And if you don't have any questions while we're waiting, let's just talk a little bit more about your course. I know you described it, but... um, but here's your opportunity to really sell it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> sell it, sell it. Well, the exciting thing is my book is actually written to teens. It's, I mean, Raise Respectful Parents is the teen version. It's about what would happen if you landed on the planet and you didn't know what was going on in this crazy family of yours because who here didn't feel like they belonged? Right. I did. You know, <laughs> 13 years. So that's the book. And then the course is the complement to that. You know, it's about the parent for the parents. So even though the book is designed with exercises at the end that the parent and teen can do together, the book is really written to the teen uh, so that they can learn these communication skills. And then the course is for the parent. So uh, it's done, you know, as most uh, online courses are modules at a time. There's seven of them. And each one introduces a new communication skill and you work on the exercise. There's a workbook through it all. about how to apply that uh, inside of your relationships with your teams. So it's basically what I do, uh, the the coaching package that I do with parents about communication and what I do with teens, uh, because I I work with teens and parents together to build that relationship. And I tell them that, you know, my client isn't the parent, my client isn't the teen, it's the relationship itself. And that's what the course is. It's the parent version of the book. (laughs) That's great. All right. Well, everybody's being shy. Thank you, uh, Janine, for asking that question and for chatting with us. So we said we would give a couple copies away of both your book and and our book. So um, how should we do this? Should we? Everybody that's here gets one. How's that? We could do it that way. Janine was actually a contributor to the Lose the Cape book, so we won't send her one of those books. But we will be sure to send her your books. Okay, well, that's really, that's awesome. I'm happy with sending out books to everybody. Um, So if you all want to just message us, let's put our email address in here. Okay, Nancy's going to do that. If you send us a message with your... um, email I mean, with your mailing address we will be happy to send you copies of laura will send you copies of her book and we will send you copies of the lose the cape teen thing book to um it's the teen thing book is fun it's kind of just a collection of fun stories from either parents who have been through the teen world already are getting ready to embark upon it kind of some uh some some survival tips i guess if you will to prep you for the tween and teen years and then laura's book as she just described it is is for parents and the teen but is largely written for the teen on the communication side correct correct great 
All right. Well, this has been fun. We are going to send out the recording to everybody. So if you missed anything or had to step away, you will get to um, enjoy the replay as well as anybody couldn't be here live. Uh, thank you so much for those of you who were here live with us. Don't forget to go check out her offer. And um, even if it's not the right offer for you uh, right now, please be, uh, you can grab that, um, that, that link and share it with your friends. If it's, you know, if you know of somebody who may need it, I have several friends who could use this desperately right now. So uh, great. great. I love hearing that. Yes. Okay. Anybody have any last minute things? Laura, do you have any last minute things that you should like to share? Uh, we will keep that $200 discount up all month. You know, um, so there's there's a couple weeks to grab that. Um, if you're, you know, you can use that link is what I'm saying until the, until the course drops. I won't yeah. be advertising it all that time, so only the ones that are getting the link now would be able to use it. But um, you should be able to take advantage of that fairly quickly. Yeah, it'll be in the replay email. Yes, right. Okay. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Now, does your course, is it all self-paced or are you doing like... Um, it's all self-paced. Yeah, it drops one at a time. Okay. All right. So great. finish one, do the exercises and come back for the other. Do you also offer one-on-one -on -one coaching if people want to call directly to I you? I do. Thanks for saying that. I sure do. And it can be with the teen and the parent. And that's been a lot of fun. And we've seen wonderful transformation and softening in those relationships. Um or it can be just the parents. I also offer online group coaching and I have a group for parents of young adults too, not just parents of teens. So there's a parent of teens group that's going on and there's one for parents of young adults that are launching to college or the world of work because those boundaries and conversations are a little bit different too. You know, I, I wish that there had been someone in my world who was doing this kind of stuff when I was a teenager because I think learning as a tween or a young adult, how to communicate, how to express yourself, how to share your emotions and what's bothering you or not bothering you. Like, I think those are some of the best skills that you can possibly yeah. ever give to a person. Absolutely. And, you know, not having those skills has plagued me for my entire life and <laughs> having to learn them as right. an adult. So I, I think it's so great what you do. Um, I am I am blessed to have a best friend who is uh, two years older than me and male. And when he read the book, he started crying. And he said, every teenager and young adult needs this because these are the skills we're all struggling with in business, in marriage, and whatever. He says, this is it, Laura. This is it, you know, because we need it. Yeah. It's just that simple. And that's why I wrote it is because I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Say you have to write the book that you need. Exactly. The book that I wanted to read, right? Growing up in an alcoholic home, I didn't have these skills. I knew my parents loved me. I knew they, they wanted the best for me and they would support me, but they weren't good communicators, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we all need that. Well, it is wonderful. Thank you so much for everyone was here who was here tonight. We'll be sending your books out to you. We're very excited to share that with you. Please go click over and look at her course. Check that out. And um, we're just very grateful for all of you and for your time on a Sunday evening or uh, afternoon, late afternoon, I suppose it is, way on the West Coast. This has been <laughs> until 7 o'clock. 
Okay, so it's it's officially evening all the way across the United States now. <laughs> it's officially bedtime on the East Coast. So. <laughs> I can go to bed now. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, thank, thank you, so you Alexa and Nancy, so much for this opportunity. Y'all are the best. Oh, this has been fun. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Enjoy your teen. <laughs> <laughs>